Welcome to Tales from the Chair. This is Carlos Cardenas. Today's episode is the story Omnibus. Now, if you don't know what an Omnibus is, it's just a series of different things, one after another after another. So today's is just going to pull different stories from different things that we've talked about previously. It's a story episode. The first story today I will eloquently call the accidental threesome. Now you may ask yourself, how is it even possible to accidentally have a threesome? That's like accidentally having an affair or accidentally taking in drugs. But the thing is, I had a client who was going through a very messy breakup. Their husband had been cheating on them and was basically out the door, but they were having a very elongated separation. And in a fit of frustration and confusion, went to go meet with a male friend of hers. Now, she didn't go with the intention of malfeasance or any kind of ill intent. She was just looking for a shoulder to cry on. So once she gets there, the friend obviously gives her support, hands her a drink, lets her kind of discuss about how much of a jerk her husband is, and eventually kind of starts getting very friendly with her. Now, my client kind of was in a susceptible place, but the back of her mind started thinking, why not engage in some friendly activity with this person? It's someone that she trusts, they had a history together, and, well, her husband is basically out the door, what's the harm? So one thing leads to another, and they start kind of engaging in back and forth, when all of a sudden, his roommate walks in through the door. A 20-some-year-old female who was friends to both of them and obviously did not expect for hijinks to be going on when she walked in through the door. But, according to my client, she wasn't necessarily bothered or shy about anything. She kind of sat right down and just watched them. And of course, my client immediately gets shy because she recognizes what's going on and pulls away. So, they start engaging in friendly banter and more alcohol, more substances, and things happen. My client now finds herself in a sexual encounter with two individuals when she didn't even expect to be in a sexual encounter with one individual. And so things happen, the night goes on, she wakes up and recognizes, well, I just got myself in quite a mess, didn't I? If you remember the episode on threesomes, there were rules as to how to go about it, and there were rules as to not how to go about it. This is not how you go about it, because my client now kind of fell into a spiral of guilt. Because not only did she enjoy the experience, but now she felt somehow that she was the bad guy in this story. Because she betrayed her husband, albeit that they were basically separated, and that he had been cheating on her previously prior to that. But, that's the thing. If you don't know what you're getting yourself into and you allow things to slowly escalate one thing after another, there are going to be repercussions after the fact. Now, don't weep too much for my client. This ironically became the linchpin for her moving forward with ending that relationship and going on with her life. Because ironically enough, after she experienced so much guilt and proceeded to tell her husband, he actually turned it around and got upset that she never wanted to have a threesome with him. Which... If you've heard other stories that I've brought up in this podcast, that seems to kind of be a thing. She ends up having the resolve to move forward with things and, you know, eventually ends up in a much better place. So, accidental threesome actually accidentally worked out for her. Now, if you remember the episode on Santeria, 
You'll recall that oftentimes some of these stories involve like hexes are placed on people in order to either assist them or create struggles. One of these hexes is to create infatuation. So unfortunately, more often than not, I find myself in a situation where, sadly, once again, a wife will be getting cheated on by her husband, and eventually, the conversation of, is my husband under some kind of spell, arises in the therapy. Yes, that is an actual conversation that I have had to have on multiple occasions. In one such instance, a wife whose husband had been cheating on her for several months now and had been slowly moving closer and closer towards being with the other woman full-time came to my office to discuss this possibility that the woman, as a santera, was basically putting her husband under a spell. And if only we can find a way to break the spell, she would regain her husband and would be able to finally fix the marriage and save everything with little to no damage. Of course, the two problems in the story is one, that apparently just kind of hinging your hopes on the fact that you can break a hex is going to be the only thing that needs fixing in this whole mess. But furthermore, that it basically takes away any kind of accountability from the guy because the magic of this hex is basically making him unable to stop himself from not only engaging in physical actions, but also everything else involving what he is doing to his wife. But this is the thing. In my line of work, that is going to happen to people who are grieving. They want to hinge their hopes on something that could potentially be the fix while ignoring every other part of the problem in order to just basically return things back to normal. So this woman basically starts getting guidance from a Catholic priest who proceeds to give her holy water, who proceeds to give her small little enchantments and, you know, those little kind of fun trading cards of the saints and basically has her putting counter hexes on her husband using Catholic items in order to basically snap him out of things. But remember, from that episode, Santeria is actually kind of rooted in Spanish Catholic imagery and spirituality. So basically, you're kind of using the same exact thing from a different angle to kind of break him out of it. And well, the thing is, after about a month or two of doing this, obviously, the man is still engaging in this affair with this individual. In fact, he's getting even more bold. He's pretty much out loud now saying, like, I have picked her over you, darling wife. I'm sorry about that. Can we please get a divorce? And no amount of holy water thrown at his face while he's sleeping or even while he's talking is basically snapping him out of it. But now my client is doubling down on the notion that he's been hexed and is looking across the house for any kind of items, any kind of witchcraft that could potentially be vexing him. And we just kind of enter into this point where eventually he flatly tells her, why do you think I am under some kind of spell? I do not want to be with you anymore. I want to get out of this relationship. This is not a hex. This is me not liking you. And of course, this poor woman is basically broken as a human being because, I mean, could you be any more of a jerk in basically telling someone that you don't want to be with them? But basically, she kind of falls apart and 
her whole plan centering around being able to get past this kind of spiritual entity falls apart. And that's just it. That is something that does go on and is a part of that culture. But if you want to convince yourself that that is really what's going on, much like with narcissism, much like with any kind of mental health difficulty, and you just cannot see that the person is just being a jerk, you and everybody else around you is going to pay the consequences for it. Now I'm going to let you in on a little secret. One of my favorite kind of cases are what I refer to as ghost kids. These are children that tend to see either ghosts or creatures or aliens, any kind of fantastic element that they end up seeing and the parents bring them in for me to work with that. And eventually I'm going to do a whole episode on ghost kids, probably in the fall with respect to why that happens and the kind of things I've run into. But there is one story that I do want to share because it doesn't quite fit into the motif completely, but it is something that I ran into a long time ago. I was working with a teenager a long time ago where he suffered from sleep paralysis. If you're not familiar with sleep paralysis, it's this phenomenon where after you fall asleep, at some point you wake up, but you're not fully awake. Your body is somewhat paralyzed and unable to move. And what tends to happen in sleep paralysis is since you're half asleep, you are imagining things happening around you. Back in the olden days, they believed that succubus and incubi were sucking our souls away, and this was actually a byproduct of sleep paralysis. Again, I'll get into it more another time. But anyways, he would see during these times several different phenomena. So one of which was the creature shadow sitting in the corner of his room, and it would be staring at him and basically stalking him, and he couldn't get up, he couldn't move, and the creature would slowly proceed to get towards him. And if you've dealt with sleep paralysis before, this is actually one of several of the phenomenons that tend to happen. Another thing that would stalk him would be on the side of his room, there was a window, and he said that usually lights would start blaring out, and then some kind of creature would show up through the window, usually an alien. And this kid that I was working with did get to the point where he actually believed that he was abducted, and that aliens were trying to probe him and take him over, and that basically his family was in on the abduction and allowing it to happen. So he was deep in the belief that these things were coming to get him. He was constantly paranoid about items in the sky and whether or not he was being followed by aliens. So he was pretty deep in his, in his paranoia, and it was affecting him during the day because eventually... He would be in school or he would be going to lacrosse or any of these sports that he did after school and he would actually start seeing some of these creatures around the corner. And this was partially a byproduct of him being sleep deprived, but this is actually kind of a thing that I've run into on several occasions. And eventually part of getting him to be able to get over this was confronting the creatures. So making a video that he would be telling the creatures to leave him alone, um, basically lighting up the corner of his room so that there wouldn't be an area to have a shadow in, putting curtains on his window, but it was pretty problematic. And for a while there, he used to have like a knife under his bed so that he could protect himself and he would actually try to avoid sleeping, which actually made the sleep paralysis and a lot of these symptoms even worse. Uh, to the point where probably the most grievous 
creature that he reported seeing was a 20-foot ogre. And honestly, I gotta be honest, I, I have to be honest, I thought he was messing with me. I genuinely thought, like, okay, now he's just making things up to make me, like, look like an idiot, but he did think that there was a giant cyclops-like ogre that was stalking his neighborhood and that was trying to anticipate destroying his house and that he basically was supposed to defeat it in some way like it, it, this is not a person that was mentally ill they were just so sleep deprived that this is the kind of narrative that they would come up with and a thing that actually tends to happen with children fairly often well relatively is a better way of putting it So this is an interesting one, but more than once in my time, I've had people come in because they've wanted to change the name of their baby. I've also had instances where people have wanted to change their own names and are trying to delineate and decipher whether or not that's a good choice. But every so often, I have someone who their child is born and they decide, I don't like the name that I chose for them. And you don't really think about this, but that kind of makes sense. You spend all this time preparing, and then eventually you have to make a choice, and then you're using this choice that you made, and then you kind of don't like it. How many times in our life have we had an experience where we want something, we choose a car, a home, an item, a relationship, and then we realize that it's not something that we actually wanted? Now imagine that that happens with naming your child. And so people come in and they try to decipher how to go about managing whether or not they should change it and how exactly to make that happen. It becomes like a very fun kind of puzzle. They want to figure out what kind of scars are we going to create by doing this? How are we going to be able to deal with it socially? And what does this say about them as people? Now in all fairness... I've only dealt with this with people who have wanted to change the name of their kids as babies. I can't imagine actually trying to work with someone on figuring out how to go about changing someone's name who's already established. Which, by the way, is a thing that happens, especially when you're dealing with a gender change or someone who is having an identity issue and they want to deal with it themselves. And that's a, probably an actual topic for another day in terms of managing that. Nevertheless, so I have a couple come in and they kind of address that they want to change this baby's name because not only were they dealing with a very tumultuous period during the pregnancy, so they really didn't have any idea what was an appropriate name, but the one that they selected they picked the name of a family member who had passed during that time and now it was way too painful and way too confusing whenever they mentioned that kid's name because it reminded them of this expiration. So the first hurdle became what happens if we pick another name and we hate that one equally or even more so, which is a fair concern, but I think once you do this the first time, you're not going to have the problem happen the second time. So it really becomes a matter of having confidence and actually practicing, okay, we're gonna name this kid Joseph now, let's see if we did it passively for three weeks, what would that be like? It's, it's a realistic concern, but not one that really you have to worry too much about. The second one becomes, how do we explain to everybody else, don't call this 
person Joni anymore, call him Joseph. There is a certain level of embarrassment to that, but also the confusion. People don't want to deal with that. But it's very temporary, and it's just something, something that you just power through, kind of like any other event. The third issue becomes... What does this say about us? How are people going to judge us because of this decision that we made? And this is the one that really gets to people because they don't realize that this is more about what they feel comfortable with than how people perceive them. And again, much like many things in the world, that which is interesting today is forgotten tomorrow. And though it might become like one of those silly stories that get held against you, oh, remember that time that you named your kid Joni and then you turned him into Joseph? Boy, that was crazy. It's not exactly going to be a defining feature of your characteristic. And I think that's ultimately what this story kind of boils down to, that it wasn't something that they felt comfortable with and they were unsure about maintaining it for 20 plus years and instead changing it to something that they would be comfortable with because maybe people would say something mean about them. And this the main reason why I'm bringing this up is because this is something that actually tends to happen, but time and again, the people who go through this whole process, they never think back to a year, two, three years later when they had this event and regret that they took the action. They generally kind of accept that it happened and move on with it. And with that, we're done for today. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I might do a few more omnibus down the line in the future because I have a lot of stories that really I can't craft off of a specific subject. So this is actually a very useful way of just dumping different scenarios and just, well, I guess you'll let me know if this is something you want to keep on hearing or if you want to try it for another time. Eventually, I want to also bring somebody else in so this becomes conversational. Definitely becomes a lot easier to discuss these things when there's someone else having and sharing their thoughts regarding it. But with that, it's time to go. If you want, you can email us at sometalesfromthechair at gmail.com. You can follow us at sometalesfrom on Twitter. I really need to start doing something on that page, whether it's polls or something else, just to kind of get and gain traction. I just kind of put in the episode titles there. You can like and subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any of the other podcast services. And and I hope that you enjoyed. Take care. We'll talk again next week.